Welcome back to Conscious Founders. Today, we interview Thomas Overly and Tanya Kellen. Thomas Overly started a VRtherapy.org clinic in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about three years ago, straight out of his uh, clinical education. Before he had his license, he went ahead and hired uh, programmers and uh, started building this virtual reality therapeutic experience. And at a rapid pace in just three years, Thomas has built a virtual reality therapy clinic out to have served thousands of clients with each one of them having a customized experience in virtual reality. A pretty remarkable feat. Uh, Not only that, but he has launched his uh, software arm, Promina VR, to license his software to others who might want to use it in different clinical uh, settings. So it's an amazing job in just three years. He's quite an innovator, uh, gamer, computer scientist, programmer, and a psychological clinician. That is just a perfect recipe for entrepreneur in uh, virtual reality therapy. And lo and behold, he has succeeded and will continue to succeed. I have um, a lot of excitement for their company. I think they're the gold standard in the uh, commercially available software where you have um, a storytelling, role-playing experience. Also, the technology that they've um, developed and uh, pieced together is really remarkable, especially for such a small shop, relatively speaking. They have a full motion capture of the body, full emotion recognition on the face, and uh, that means that not only can a patient be inside of a virtual environment, but they can be interacting with characters which a uh, clinician might be role-playing for them in order to help overcome phobias or change behavior patterns that are triggered by certain settings. Thomas is a humble uh, man. He's a Midwestern roots, and I know a lot of the Midwesterners are super hardworking, and I doubt that uh, there's any exception here with Thomas. In fact, I think he might be uh, the perfect example of a hardworking, humble Midwesterner. And he's really fortunate to have Tanya Kellen join him as his operations officer. She has a lot of experience in uh, distribution and licensing, um, both nationally and globally. So together, they make quite a formidable team. They have uh, won quite a few um, accolades, and especially this award, the Comcast IE4 award, enabled them to really get um, access to a number of business people to help them take their business to the next level. Um, First, they applied for a regional application of the Comcast award, and then they won the national uh, because of their work in um, really addressing virtual realities, challenging limitations for having multiple people in one virtual environment and also capturing motion and uh, facial expressions. I mean, that it's uh, more common in academic institutions uh, to have that ability, but to be able to do it at a scale and price point is uh, still uh, new to come. And uh, I believe that they are the front runner in that category. So please enjoy our conversation. And as always, if you like this podcast, please share with your friends 
and uh, we wish you good health and many successes in your life. As always, stay healthy. Okay, Thomas and Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today on Conscious Founders Podcast. Hi, Xander. Thanks for having us. Today we, yeah, today we have uh, Tanya and Thomas of uh, Promina VR. And um, Thomas, um, would you like to kind of give us a quick overview of, uh, of your, your role in the company? Sure, I, I'd love to. So uh, really, the, the origin story for me goes all the way back uh, to grad school, which I, I originally, my background is, is varied. I, I, I've kind of bounced around from uh, cognitive science, uh, AI research, to a little bit of neuroscience, a little bit of linguistics, all at the graduate level. I, I was trying to figure out what it, where I fit properly because my interests uh, are varied as well. So uh, I bopped around academically and, and in my career as well. I did. I worked for family companies. I, 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 I've done pretty much everything under the sun. And uh, it wasn't until my daughter was ready to start college that I finally decided, you know what, now I have the freedom to pretty much do anything I want to. So I went back to grad school after the age of 40 and uh, decided to become a therapist. And while I was in grad school, uh, I had an opportunity in a, in a research course I was taking for the degree uh, to uh, put together a research proposal. And when I did that, I decided, okay, I'm going to make this interesting. So I looked for anything that was out there on current research being done with VR because I, like many other people, back in the 80s and early 90s was so excited about the, the advent of VR. And uh, then of course, everything fizzled because the tech wasn't there and it was cost prohibitive. And uh, so, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with how things happened for VR in itself in that era. So, but by this time, by, you know, it, we're talking four or five years ago when I went back to grad school, uh, I already knew what was coming down the pipeline with uh, the, the Oculus dev kits. I think the first one had been released maybe at that time, but I knew the Oculus was being released. And so I wrote up an entire research proposal based on the limited research that was already out there. Uh, and, and basically proposed, how, how can we improve these results? What, what and which that's how research works. You look at what's out there and then you figure out, okay, what are the, the, the pain points? How can we make this even better and get better results? And so that's uh, right after I finished, I, I did things, I put the cart before the horse and I hired, because when you graduate and first become a therapist, you, you graduate with a limited license. So I, I opened VR Therapy and Counseling Center in January of 2015 uh, and hired my own supervisor to come in here and, and get things happening. And that was when I started using VR. And it was basically with, mostly 
with anxiety spectrum disorders because that's pretty much all that was evidence-based at that time. So I've treated lots of PTSD, lots of specific phobias, and uh, along the way, now uh, the company, uh, we started Promina VR as a sales branch to take everything that we had created and start getting it out there to other clinicians. Okay, so... That's incredible. In just three years, you've gone from, um, by the way, congratulations, January of 2018 was, I guess, your three-year anniversary yeah. then. Um, yeah. That's that's incredible. And from what I've seen about um, your products, you've really just done an incredible job with the technology and taking that leap of faith from straight out of uh, from your research in graduate school going to starting a company uh, with this technology is, um, that's impressive, really, really impressive. So congratulations. Yeah, it was it was as terrifying as it was exciting because I, I wasn't sure what I was doing, but I knew I believed in the potential of VR. I knew based on the evidence and, and, and both what, in, in my vision for what VR is gonna become, I, you know, I knew it was worth the risk. I, I, I knew uh, if I did it at the at the proper time that I could potentially help shape and, and pioneer what's going to be happening uh, in the mental health arena with VR. And uh, that's how it's played out so far. And it, it's an exciting place to be in. And there's so much we want to do and contribute to that to that area. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for starting the company. And um, Tanya is on the line with us too. Tanya Klein, um, thanks so much for joining us as well. Uh, Tanya, could you uh, share a little bit about yourself and um, when and how you joined Thomas in his journey? Sure. It's funny that you mentioned Klein. My grandparents' name was originally Klein, and during the Holocaust, uh, they escaped Hungary having to buy Greek Orthodox papers and then changed the name to Kellen. So it's Tanya <laughs> Kellen, but uh, um, it's a backstory there. So originally, I joined, um, I, I got a research grant here in Canada that allowed me to look into virtual reality that could drive greater empathy and awareness. And in that research, I started to look at what was going on in the field of addiction and mental health. Having a family that lived through the Holocaust, there was some um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, my brother is um, suffers with a schizoaffective disorder. And I wanted to look at whether or not VR could enhance treatment because I saw that things were not really working very well for members of my family and, and other dear friends. And I started to look at the academic papers that were coming out of Oxford and Stanford and uh, the University of Southern California and Dr. Stefan Bouchard, and I was blown away at what the research was showing that for post-traumatic stress disorder, for anxiety and addiction, that virtual reality was poised to make a very big difference in people's lives. And coming from a storytelling background, I was fascinated about 
how you could create tools and and immerse people and really shift perception. And then I started to realize that the future is putting the creator tools in the hands of the clinics and the patients so that their stories can become the stories they walk through to heal themselves. So I started to research what was going on and I fell upon Thomas's website and I was pretty much shocked that what I had imagined is possible that he was already in the midst of researching and testing within his own VR therapy clinic. And I realized, well, they're still small enough that maybe they could use someone like me who wants to add more value with the grants and, and funding that we have in Canada. And I have experience with global licensing and branding and marketing business development. And maybe they'd like to expand and build out products to be used outside of their clinic with other clinics. So lo and behold, I made that cold call to Thomas in May of 2017 and his secretary thought that I was a, a, a prank call, I think. Uh, and we ended up talking for a couple of weeks and I basically showed him a gamut of research funding that could be available to us and we had attracted some leading advisors like Dr. Stéphane Bouchard, who's one of the world's leading cyber psychologists who had joined my cause before I even met Thomas. And so we decided to do a joint venture between Canada and the US. And then Thomas asked me if I'd like to help handle the US relations as well, because he's he's got a partnership with um, the Startup Health Festival that is the biggest health incubator. And we just came back from San Francisco where we pitched to uh, a really great room of potential collaborators and other therapists and clinics and hospitals. So it's been a really short ride and, and very fast and lots of wonderful collaborations are on the horizon. Amazing. That sounds wonderful. What a great journey too that you've you found the, your path to uh, to meeting Thomas and with his efforts, you guys are joining forces and it sounds like a real, a real wonderful mix and um, and collaborative effort. Yeah, uh, we're pretty happy with it. Every day is different. <laughs> and San Francisco is definitely uh, that's my wheelhouse. Uh, I spent uh, over a decade in the city, there in the the Silicon Valley world of of startups. So it can be um, it can be pretty exciting what uh, what some partnerships there can can bring to technology and um, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys to, to track your progress and it sounds like a real pivotal moment. Um, earlier we were talking a little bit about um, the trajectory of interest in virtual reality for healthcare and specifically virtual reality for um, therapeutics in um, clinical psychology. Uh, so maybe uh, either one of you could um, could address sort of that trajectory from your own perspective within uh, within your experience in um, what's now called Promina VR. Um, and I think Thomas, you started uh, VRtherapy.org as well. So maybe a separate question is um, is to define the difference between those those two a little more, um, so our listeners can um, direct their attention to the web websites appropriately. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can cover the 
little bit on, on uh, VR therapy, the clinic, and then Promina VR. Uh, after those first couple years, uh, I entered Comcast-sponsored, uh, it's called Innovations for Entrepreneurs. And I, I saw that, and I read the description, and I thought, wow, this, this is a perfect fit for us. So I, I wrote up an essay really quick, submitted it, and we won the regional, and then we ended up winning the national for that. And as a result of that, they, they threw a nice little chunk of change at us, but then they also flew me out to Philadelphia and pretty much put me through a two-day boot camp where I was able to meet with all sorts of different business leaders and, and get their advice on how to proceed. And it was during those meetings that I that I really realized, okay, I, I, I have a lot of learning to do in the business realm. And, uh, but that's, that's what gave me some direction and got me looking into startup health and th that's what occurred before Tanya came on. I, but by that point, we we had partnered with Startup Health, and it was really about finding those partnerships. And that's what Tanya has brought to us: many partnerships. And uh, that that's where we're at right now with Promina. Oh, that's wonderful. Um... So you you went to you started vrtherapy.org uh, as your um, as the clinic and you started treating a lot of patients and you were iterating and evolving your software uh, and tools as the hardware came out and um, I know you did some interesting things with the uh, Xbox Connect um, and then you um, uh, eventually applied to the Comcast. Um, uh, the the com what was the award again the Comcast Innovations for Entrepreneurs Innovations uh, they, for Entrepreneurs thank you abbreviated to IE four okay so, um, cool. but anyway the, the, the part I left out on that is my proposal and w what we've been working on since then is develop developing two way interactive system mm -hmm. and the system we've been developing here. It uses full body and facial uh, mocap along with our software and it allows me to enter VR with my clients and essentially become anyone I need to be for the client. So not, not only can we do the environments uh, to help people habituate to things, now we can actually create the avatars and have, have the interactive part, the role play part of therapy that's what we're looking to uh, really do more research and going forward with our partners. Yeah, and that's actually really incredible. It's almost like, from my perspective, 10 years advanced from from what's currently available. Just to give our listeners a little bit of a, a background on, on the power of this type of therapy and a kind of a walkthrough of how it could work. Um, from my understanding, um, a user can be, or a, a patient a user, uh, would be put into a virtual environment, and that environment is oftentimes uh, similar to an environment that they might have had some traumatic experience in, for example, when treating uh, trauma or PTSD. And then they'll be, uh, the therapist in your case, can uh, put on a, um, 
uh, a rig, effectively a bunch of sensors, and the software using the sensor motion tracking and video feed will monitor the therapist's body motions and uh, facial expressions and translate those into um, a caricature which then can interact with the patient inside of the virtual uh, room or environment. And that is, um, that's really out there. I mean, that that's the virtual environment itself is so powerful as a medium for um, immersion and um, storytelling and personal storytelling uh, to have um, a therapist go be able to go in and, um, and basically become any kind of character for on behalf of the patient is is just incredible. So did I summarize that okay? Is there are there things yeah, I missed? Actually, let let me throw out a, a quick example if you don't mind. That'd be fantastic. Uh, and it's the example I used in that essay uh, for Comcast, and it, it, it's a pretty dramatic example of of the potential of this kind of system. So I explained it as. Let's say, for instance, as a clinician, you have uh, a, a teenage female come in who has been having all sorts of difficulties at school. She's faced all sorts of disciplinary problems. Um, interacting with peers has been difficult. She's getting in fights, uh, problems with authority. Well, what we would do with our system is that after I learn about that person's story and learn about the school she goes to, learn about the, the the specific challenges she's having then we would construct a school that matches her school as closely as possible and then populate it with other students and teachers that are roughly the same as those uh, that she's going to school with so they match the demographics so the proper age proper race and uh, that's where uh, so let's if this girl were to come in with these specific set of problems, what we could do is place her in that school. And then as a clinician, I'm able to hop into the body of another student or a teacher, for instance, and then knowing her stories, I can present her with the very challenges that she's been having out there at school uh, in her real life. And so, we try to simulate that as closely as possible. And the wonderful thing about that is uh, we're able to bypass uh, the person's skill at visualization. That's, that's what the, you know, you were talking earlier about visualization. Well, that's, there's no way to really measure how a person, how skilled a person is at their ability to visualize things. So, in traditional therapy, uh, a lot of the a lot of the exposure therapy was was done with imaginal uh, imagery, in order to help people habituate to whatever stimuli was bringing about their anxiety. And so, with VR, we're we're able to eliminate all that. And so, going back to this example with this teenage girl, uh, in a, in session, then I, I would present the exact problems she's been having. Uh, using other children and I could I can move to different bodies of different children move into the body of the teacher and then yeah it takes all of my facial movement so I can fully emote which is very important in situations like this uh, 
it's, I can fully emote and she can read my my emotion as I'm interacting with her, just like she would there at the real school. And then as we're working, I can pause the system and say, okay, let's look at how you handled that and talk about you know the, the, the communication skills she, she used in that session. And then I can start it right back up. And, and so we get all that work done there in session, as opposed to the old school, uh, it was the visual, the visualization role plays in session along with behavioral homework. So I would say, for instance, okay, this week I want you to go out and we might, for instance, prepare a, a script for them at the ready to have at the ready when they encounter the kind of situations they've been having difficulty with. Well, we bypass all that with this. And so we're, we're making the therapeutic experience for one, we're, we're cutting down the time, you know, it, 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 you don't have to wait a week to, to see results. You, you get the results right there in session. And, and uh, that's where we're headed now with Promina. That's amazing. If I, if I think about that from a software development perspective, uh, it's, uh, it's like uh, in the olden days where, you know, you'd make a piece of software um, and then push it out. And then if somebody wanted an update, maybe they get a CD shipped in the mail or something. Well, in this case, the software is the person's response to their environment. And you're making real-time um, server-side updates, right? You're pushing out the software. Um, you're making basically real-time changes, which is just amazing for the for the individual to have that level of, of efficiency of of programmatic change if uh you know right and, and and in the platform we're developing the other part of that is that you know what i didn't describe that that customization that tanya was referring to earlier what what she was referring to there is since the beginning since i opened the doors here uh each person that has come in i've learned their stories and then within a few weeks we we generate the programs individually for each person that comes through these doors we ha they have their own program that gets designed which is not a cost effective way to do therapy you know it, when i was just running vr therapy and counseling well when we first opened i was doing all the programming all the billing all the therapy and i was the janitor on top of it <laughs> and so we got to the point where I was here 24 seven and that was when my wife said, you know what, I, I've had enough of this. You need to get people to help you because you're, you're, you're not here ever. So, so we hired, now we have uh, a couple of programmers that, that help me turn around that software very quickly for everyone who comes in here. But it, it, so eventually what we want to see with Promina we want to make it so people, clinicians don't need to hire their own programmers to do all this stuff. We want to create a platform that works in, 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 in some ways much like uh, uh, an MMO interface, uh, especially like an MMO RPG interface where are, are you familiar with MMORPGs, how their UIs work? Um, a little bit. Maybe you could explain uh, to our users what an MMORPG is and how and how their interface works. Okay. Well, well, not surprisingly, I've been a computer gamer since I was a child, which so that I, that's why my relation with computers, I, they've been present in my life 
for decades now, and I've been building and programming uh, since I was young. And uh, so when you build a character, for instance, you get to specify every last aspect of how they look, and you can really refine and sculpt those characters so that when you're engaged in a game, you feel like the, the, your avatar within that game truly represents you. Even if it's a, 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 a fantasy version of you, 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 by being able to customize, customize it, it makes the experience more meaningful. And that's what I've really added on to, you know, all that research I did, you know, you had some wonderful people on your show like Skip Rizzo. Uh, and I know that I, I referred to some of his early work when, when I wrote that research proposal. And, and those early systems, the way they were working is they, they would have, as you know, uh, a virtual Iraq or a virtual Afghanistan, and uh, it was it was really effective. And so, taking that approach, what I've done is, when especially with PTSD, after I've learned about the different things that people have uh, generalized from their traumatic memories that that they're being triggered by in their everyday lives, it, you know, it could be specific people, specific environments. Well, what I've been doing here is that whatever I've learned about the person, we, we create down to, you know, the, the, the type of rooms they're in, the type of people they've been interacting with, we recreate the things that, that are very specific to their stories. And then we use those things that are specific to the individual to help them habituate to that stimuli over time. Yeah, that's that's an incredible and pretty rare set of skills to have both the clinical application and also the computer science and and a lot of exposure to gaming uh, system interfaces because uh, gaming is often the uh, pioneer for all kinds of computer uh, technology and, and that you know, let's just read Bill Gates's uh, biography, and you'll see what his primary motives were for building yeah. Microsoft. You know, for example, yeah. um, and and um, I'm really interested in in the future of this technology. Right now, I feel like, from my understanding and my limited research and uh, interviews I've conducted, you guys are pretty much the front runner for the capacity to have this as a commercial software where um, this technology is is really, um, I'd say, more of a horizontal approach to getting, um, meaning getting this technology into many different possible scenarios, for example, not just working with PTSD, but the, the right. capacity for role play is, is a very um, horizontal, um, horizontally applicable um, technology. Right. Yeah. When you think about the, the potential in, for any kind of training, learning um, w w that involves uh, communication, which is that we're talking about a pretty vast uh, area there. Yeah. And, and one of the things I loved about um, interviewing Skip is actually I got to meet his whole his whole lab <clears throat> um, and uh, some of the work that his his lab uh, um members are doing is just phenomenal you know the uh the rapid prototyping of avatars which it sounds like you're is a is core to your competencies and um and w one one thing was fascinating was the ability to to bend a uh, space in vr and have it um uh basically trick the mind into thinking that 
you are uh, walking in a straight line when in fact you're walking in circles, which makes it potentially available for someone to walk down a city or uh, throughout a city, but <clears throat> be within a, uh, you know, a 20 yard by 20 yard room, for example, which right, is pretty, right. pretty wild. Yeah. But <clears throat> sorry, to, um, did you want to um, speak a little bit to the modularization and specifically the the software um, uh, distribution plans, Tanya? Sure. You know, we get requests from clinics almost every day that want us to develop specific software. Um, so because we're one of the only studios in the world that can customize experiences, we've got clinics that are asking us to design flight simulation for their fear of flying um, clients that have a big phobia about flying and getting into airplanes. And another clinic recently just asked us to design a specific model and getting into elevators for particular clients. So we have the ability to get down to the granular level because Thomas has built a pipeline that allows us to focus on every individual patient. So what we're doing is we're going to be the world's experts in having customizable solutions so that we can build enough environments and avatars to then allow us to open this up to um, bringing a platform to the hands of hospitals and clinics so that we put those creator tools in everyone's hands and make it really easy for like a gamified environment in a game engine design system. And that's really where we're going from a distribution platform. Right now, our business model is that we're working with specific clinics and hospitals and testing. So, you know, it takes time to amass this larger library and to build the financing. So we're at the seed financing stage and this year we'll be closing another round. We've had good angel investment coming in uh, from a private investor uh, and, you know, we're really looking at this year being our, our year to really put us out there. We've got new software programs that we're designing and we're about to launch um, uh, a kind of incubator for a major research facility where we'll be rapid prototyping with a group that has expertise coming out of Europe that's now in the US that have designed a lot of two-way avatar uh, publications and you know they're really into the research of the communication and what goes on between avatars and and you know there's uh, there's a number of really great things that will be happening this year that we can't talk about all we want <laughs> teasers <what> we, do, <laughs> we do want to share that communication is really the vital link here that pretty much everyone that comes to us, whether you have a phobia, whether you have trauma, you know, um, you need to be able to communicate in ways that avatars allow a number of people to let their guard down, to speak more freely. In fact, mm -hmm. when we listen to Skip Rizzo's interview, and of course he's an incredible force to be reckoned with, and we've all been so inspired by his work, and mm -hmm. when he talked about how the military... Um, you know, uh, tr uh, uh, when you fill out your form to go over whether or not you've been uh, having sleep problems and, and you know, having mm. any kind of mental health issues, 
you know, when they it was skip skip was I was fascinated listening to what he said, where um, people were filling out the forms knowing they would be going on their records and they didn't divulge the fact that they had their sleep disorder problems or that they were having any emotional problems. But then when they had a casual conversation with a virtual human and it wasn't on their record, well, they were able to really let their guard down and then talk about it in a non-threatening way. So we really feel that there needs to be more tools out there to assess people. And for instance, speaking to some of our clinics that we're going to be testing with for kids that have issues around um, being on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, for instance, you know, uh, they don't relate to uh, their everyday peers and other students, they actually relate more to avatars and games than anything else. Uh, so we're feeling like we're on the precipice of doing things in very different ways. And now we're just proving them out over the next year. Uh, and, and we luckily we are one of, we have a, a really great clinic, the the uh, VR Therapy and Counseling Center, which is at vrtherapy.org. And so we can test with our clients that are coming in. And, and uh, so we've got some really great results coming out of that. And there's a stickiness factor where people that haven't been able to stick with a course of therapy in traditional role model, uh, role play environments, we're now seeing that we can enhance their therapy. It's not only more efficacious, it also um, captures their interest and, and allows them to go through the course of treatment because it becomes faster so they can see the results faster. Yeah, thank you. And that's also interesting about the technology is the just the speed of transformation and, and the... Uh, the kind of uh, Skip and I talked about the sex appeal of technology, um, or in some cases the the familiarity of of technology. For for example, a younger generation might feel more comfortable interfacing with a piece of technology than a human to to reduce some of those barriers. So those are all really wonderful um, observations and points. And I'm excited for um, just again the broad application of your technology now. Um, I may be mistaken, but the ability to to put multiple people into a virtual environment and have them interact is actually still fairly new, especially with the uh, motion capture and facial recognition um, for any any environment, therapy, gaming, uh, social networking. I mean, right now it's a really limited um, capacity, and certainly as we evolve the technology um, our, our goal is to have virtual reality more and more mirror um, our current understanding of reality and experience walking through the world and shaking hands with people um, and watching their facial expressions so just the capacity that you built um, this technology with such a strong foundation as a sort of scrappy startup is a, a wonderful uh, story and I'm sure it's got its uh, its trail of um blood sweat and tears along the way but <laughs> um, but it's really it's really a wonderful addition to the the whole body of technology for virtual reality as a whole so maybe you could speak a little bit to um that trail and then where the trail is leading in one year in three years in five years and with uh, with regard to 
uh, hardware, uh, price distribution, market penetrations, um, software AI, and and maybe later we can uh, dive into other fun things like data privacy and um, the more philosophical things such as impact on society and social change. Right. Right. Okay, that's a big pool of questions. It is. Let's start with the what's the hardware going to uh, look like uh, one year out, three years out, and five years out? You know, we had a, a conversation about this earlier this week. I, I, one of the grants we received was from the Screen Industries Research and Training Center here in, in Canada. With the, They're called CERT. Uh, for That's the acronym. And that's part of the Sheridan College group and they're the leaders in research in Canada for virtual reality and augmented reality and they have a really great studio on Pinewoods lot so they kind of sit at the hybrid of entertainment and and they're going into health we're one of the first uh, health products that we're testing with them uh, so we're very excited about that and and we had a whole day session with leaders in the entertainment space I was you know there as wearing the entertainment hat but also the the hat that I wear with Promina VR um, and they just got a one million dollar research grant um, to start a human VR lab working with people like Quantum Capture uh, they come from Ubisoft and we've met the Quantum Capture guys together so that and then they're looking at scaling uh, smaller more advanced systems that are much more portable right now it costs you know a rig to do a virtual human scan is quite expensive but over the next year we're going to be at the forefront with their research to bring down the cost and um so we're looking at that with our, our partner at cert and there's another partner we're we're collaborating with um in in the u.s that we can't announce just yet that's coming soon um so for this year everybody's talking about game engine design and um you know the uh the ability for people to want to have their real life characters in a gaming environment that's exciting i think for the therapy side of things we're not yet um convinced that we need to have something looking so human and lifelike as if you're in the real world um, we're not yet convinced that that's required to be able to drive the desired healthcare result to drive optimal brain health that's a really uh, and, good that's a really good point yeah that the um, that the human mind uh, being a modeling machine doesn't necessarily require um, a, a real life experience it, to get the symbology right. Um, I want to exactly. narrow down my question a little bit and and ask. Um, it sounds like there are several moving pieces in the hardware front. There's the uh, what you're cur currently using to do motion capture, and then there's facial recognition, and then there is uh, the actual uh, virtual um, visual uh, presentation device. In this case, uh, a headset. So. For those, maybe Thomas, this is a better directed question to you. What do you see the one-year, three-year, and five-year horizon of of those uh, specific technologies? Motion capture, um, emotional facial recognition, and um, and headset technology. Right. Uh, you know, when we started up here, the retail version of the Oculus Rift still hadn't been released. Uh, the HTC Vive hadn't been released, and I found, especially in those early days, 
from day to day, we're looking for, uh, you know, upgrades. I, I, I funded so many different Kickstarters because it gave us access to, you know, the, the cutting edge tech. And that, that that's the thing with our software, we really tried to stay hardware agnostic so that we can keep adapting and, and, and uh, refining what we're doing. But it's really a waiting game on the technology. I think a year from now, I don't think a year from now is going to be too much different for the overall VR market, but the VR and healthcare, I think that's going to, within this year, is just because so many people have finally woken up. It's no longer seen as kind of a, a gimmick, because that's how it felt to me. In 2015, the, the attitude towards VR was still, oh, and because it hadn't been released uh, to the public yet. And, and so there was lots of skepticism and, and it was well-deserved because, you know, it, you look at history and people have proposed all sorts, you know, look at how hypnotism used to be seen. Um, like in the seventies, that, that was the goal. Everybody was on, the bandwagon of oh let, let, hypnotism and, you know that faded quickly because it, it the research didn't back it up it, it faded because the real numbers weren't there and so now that the real numbers are there for vr and not just from a handful of, of researchers which was what i was looking at back then but but now it's everywhere uh the was that the the stanford meta-analysis that was recently published Tiny. Oh, no, no, that was Oxford. Um, there was an Oxford study recently published, a meta-analysis they looked at, I believe it was 285 different studies. And in, at the end of the abstract for, for this, which it just came out earlier this, uh, when did that come out, Tanya? Was it earlier this year? Yeah. It was January 2017. Oh, 2017? Oh, okay, but, but still. At, at the end of their ad, abstract, they mentioned that, you know, based on what we found, the, the promise of VR is, is as big as uh, the potential for uh, functional magnetic uh, imaging, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the imaging technology. Yeah, it's incredible. And I feel like uh, you're, I, I am personally right in alignment with you that, that we are just at the beginning of this technology's uh, impact on society from a healthcare perspective. Um, I'm, I'm also, uh, maybe that's a better question for, for later on in the, um, in the talk, but maybe we can talk just a little bit about um, uh, the use of AI in your technology and any kind of um, data or privacy uh, barriers to entry that you guys have had to overcome. Obviously, HIPAA is a kind of a, a standard baseline there, but in the medical, Western medical world. But um, any other data or privacy concerns that you guys are are seeing in your in your business? Tanya, do you want to speak about that and what you've been doing uh, with re with regard to blockchain and integrating that into our? Yeah, uh, we're working with. Um... With us, with a partner, 
that will be named shortly in a, in a press release that has experience with um, blockchain integration and with our with our healthcare providers and hospitals in particular uh, there are there are lots of privacy issues and um, and just data integration along the lines of using Epic or Cerner when you're going into major hospitals. So in terms of creating a ubiquitous uh, program and process, because most hospitals have small little departments that are working on VR right now. So there's no real process in place on how to standardize it or to create a, a single uh, way to use VR. And um, getting back to your question previously about the hardware, well, you know, we see some of our hospitals that we're going in to do market intelligence with, uh, you know, to get a sense of what the market fit needs are for them. They have Samsung gear because Samsung has already started using the hospital liners so that the issues around you know, just being protected for germs and ster ster sterile precautions and all of that. Um, you know, then people are using cardboard. Um, but for therapeutic practice, most of the time, the therapeutic practice is still using Oculus as the go-to. So that's going to change. There's, you know, there's lots happening in the next year where everything's going cordless and you can you know things are getting lighter the sound issue in vr experiences is is really important the fidelity of of the whole thing um and uh so but with the data privacy it's a huge issue and so we're working with some experts that we've brought on um to really make sure that we handle this appropriately yeah, one of the um, that's a great that's a great background, by the way, about how hospitals are using um, you know Gear VR and Google's cardboard platform uh, to uh, kind of initiate in, in some of their patients into VR experiences, and for the uh, the clinician um, uh, patient interface, oftentimes a more sophisticated system such as an Oculus or a Vive. Um, yeah. is more beneficial because of the fidelity of the experience. And I, I imagine that you guys are, are pretty much squarely in that arena of more of a, a, a higher-end system. And these systems are higher-end. They're, they're still not that terribly expensive as a, as a medical tool. They're maybe a few thousand dollars to get the computer and the headset. And I don't know what the tracking technology Costs, but still, that's relatively inexpensive for um, for a larger medical institution. Yeah. So, along those lines, um, what has been so far uh, your experience in um, getting into those traditional healthcare providers or large HMOs or hospitals and and getting them to use these uh, tools uh, for positive change? For example. What are the um, administrative uh, challenges, the data privacy, um, just sort of obviously there's a sales cycle, um, what infrastructure might be required and education and uh, and then along those lines. We're still we're still new, but what are some of the um, adoption rates of these these hospitals and and organizations that you might be partnering with? Well, the big thing is is most of our hospitals we're talking to the larger hospitals they they want to work with you to validate 
even if you've had even if you have proven results that work somewhere else they want to validate in their own tests together and they may want to customize certain experiences so generally we give them the option um, and and they want to make sure that it's working elsewhere oftentimes before they get involved um, but there's some really great uh, strides that have been made with um, distraction therapy now uh, I think that uh, people in major hospitals are coming around you know you'll usually find one great champion inside that is the early adopter of technology um, the one challenge we're facing is that a lot of the you know you have to have a very high level of training to become a therapist or a psychiatrist so a lot of the more senior people want to keep doing things the same way so and and they might even be adopters of technology the people that are potentially heading the department but to get their entire staff to start doing things very differently mm. we have to prove to them that this is going to be more fun and so uh, right now we're testing on bringing the motion capture availability into a much more streamlined place um, and technology on that front is changing dramatically so we're going right, to be looking right. at testing That's where I think we're going to see the biggest change uh, with that hardware uh, yeah. because not everyone's going to want to strap on a full uh, mocap suit uh, especially not the the kind we use so but the solutions there again you know each day something new uh, comes out and I'm sure that within the next year we're going to have an even better mocap solution uh, that, that will be less intimidating to uh, clinicians. Right. Mm. And what we found works most in converting people over is the results. The stories speak for themselves when you can say that nothing's working for a teenager and then you show them the results. Uh, then they say, okay, we'd like to test it. We'd like to try it, you know? Yeah, clinical trials are, are really powerful, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So um, because we're running our own clinic, that gives us the credibility, um, and we're bringing those case studies in. And then, you know, it's like seeing... You know, people often say to me, why is this going to work? Well, no one believed that Amazon was going to work when Amazon first started either. Mm, for and sure. So who who else is uh, in the community, would you say, is doing a good job at uh, delivering virtual reality therapy experiences? Who are some of your collaborators and or competitors? Well, I'd like to think that you know, we are in a very unique space with the two-way interactive side of things. And we we would love to be collaborators with a lot of the, the grandfathers and, and grandmothers of the industry. Um, you know, we, we have Dr. Stéphane Bouchard, who's an advisor with us, who's one of the world's leaders in cyber psychology and one of the most widely published. Um, and uh, there's obviously people like Skip Rizzo that we we're really indebted to his work and um, also Brenda Wiederhold from the Virtual Reality Medical Center. These are, and, and Sias in Spain, of course, just uh, 
really the and oh yes i i can't forget um um you forgot i am forgetting <laughs> dr patrick bordnick of tulane who who oh, yeah, uh, definitely. who just won an award uh, for his mobile innovation product that he's launching, and he's been at the forefront of addiction research and food addiction. Uh, so you know, and those are the the folks that I admire the most. And there's so many others. Um, looking at the people that are in the the pain management that are doing really great research, like applied VR and uh, Sonify and Shaftesbury VR. They're doing some great work. And, and the Shaftesbury story is interesting because they were a media entertainment company that has started a health company. So I, I do believe that things are going to converge because the process of uh, going through a therapy experience to be gamified can make it far more uh, engaging. And so not only is the price point going to come down, but there are going to be more people who will want to go into a course of treatment because it's offered in a enhanced fashion. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, good broad overview there of some of the major industry players. And um, you mentioned a couple of things I found interesting in the categories. We have uh, research and we have uh, companies that are, focused on sort of behavioral change and then um, in a similar mindset, uh, pain management. Those are the three broader categories that I, I captured there. Uh, Thomas, do you have any thoughts on the same question? Whoop. Hello? Oh, sorry. Oh, no problem. Any other? <laughs> ah. Oh, is it on mute or... <laughs> No, I'm having some technical difficulties. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> well, that's uh, that happens. <laughs> um, it's it's the nature of our business, right? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. I asked you if you had any other thoughts on that, but it sounds like you know we probably covered it pretty well. Um, do you guys have any any other kind of closing thoughts or other uh, tangents that you'd like to direct the conversation in? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we're learning about, and, and it's validated from our last trip with Startup Health Festival, is that after speaking to a lot of the um, insurance companies and healthcare companies and, and larger hospitals and HMOs, everyone really wants to find unique solutions that can be expanded to reach out to the greatest number of patients inside and outside of their hospital. And especially with mental health issues, there are a lot of people that they, they don't have enough people trained to deliver the amount of healthcare required. So the remote distance uh, piece is something we're really looking at very carefully uh, and looking at ways to give new tools into people's hands um, that they can then be assessed faster and, um, you know, maybe have other types of care providers giving them some remote distance learning, um, you know, in a telehealth environment, no one's really cracked the code for VR telehealth. Mm -hmm. uh, we're mm -hmm. looking at ways that, you know, the, the ease of use is going to be really important and putting 
more patient-centric care into their own hands so they can choose and kind of give them more self-diagnoses tools in an easier environment. Um, that's going to be really important. That's a big focus uh, in terms of that kind of infrastructure that's required. And, and, you know, we talked about what are the adoption rates and some of the barriers. So that's the big barrier is that there's long wait lists or that it's too expensive. Uh, so we want to democratize the process and bring down the price points and allow it to be available for more people so that the barrier for entry is reduced and greater adoption rates. And the infrastructure for that, I, we believe, is a game engine type of system. Um, and, and also we're looking at unique models where I'd love to see us in the next year partner with a crowd funded model where we crowdsource where people can who have better means can you know maybe drop in a token system if we're you know building on the the blockchain platform that's entirely feasible where we can provide care for people on a giving system as a social impact model that's mm. one of my big dreams to be able to do that so that we can offer care for people that can't get it and that's something that is a huge focus of the world bank in terms of solving the world's greatest problems around mental health. Yeah, that's phenomenal vision. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Thomas, any other closing thoughts from you? Um, I, I just want to comment a little bit. We never completely answered your, your earlier question about one and three and five years out. I, we covered the one year out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, when we when we get over to the three and five years, that's when the really exciting stuff is, is going to be happening uh, because we'll have headsets with at least uh, 4K displays in them. Um, the, Computers will be radically more uh, efficient at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to be, I'm a futurist myself. So uh, once the technology is there, then we're going to be able to realize the full potential of VR. And, you know, I, like many other people, uh, you know, the, the holodeck is coming. You know, it's not as far off as, as some people think. So I... I you know, that's where we're going to be. Uh, it, the, the tech will be ubiquitous in, in households and in clinics and, and in mental health in general. I, I think you're, it's just going to be a, a standard tool that's used uh, in mental health. Amazing. Yes. Uh, a lot of people have likened the uh, maturation of the technology to how cell phones have sort of uh, just subtly infiltrated our lives. Uh, whereas, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, they were uh, the things of high-powered businessmen. And um, and now it's a computer in our pocket. So I imagine, um, I imagine that uh, virtual reality will be something um, akin to that, uh, except potentially with a, a faster timeline. Right. And to give people really a better... Uh, way of living, you know, not just a source of information, but to actually build greater, healthier communities. Mm, yes, wonderful vision. Visions, uh, speaking of virtual reality, visions. 
Um, thank you guys so much for joining this uh, this podcast episode and uh, for all the hard work you're doing to help people become um, better at coping with some of the challenges of life and um, and distributing your your technology and building it is is no small task. So I'm really grateful for the work you're doing. Thank you. So this wraps up our talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you'd like to check out their software or their clinic, they can be found at Promena, P-R-O-M-E-N-A.com for their software. And their clinic is vrtherapy.org. Take care and as always, stay healthy.